Hello, and welcome to Recollection, the podcast where we play through our backlogs and old video games. I'm Kyle Bursa. Andrew Peck is on a brief hiatus, but you don't have to only listen to me talk all night. We have a special guest, so why don't you introduce yourself and the game that we're playing. Hey, everybody. I'm Ketter Joyner, and we are playing Fez. Fez is this kind of uh, darling indie game. It's an indie game. And uh, it came out in 2012, and it's sort of a puzzle platformer by the Polytron Corporation, but kind of more famously by Phil Fish, uh, who I don't want to talk about for too much, but I feel like you can't <laughs> talk about the game without talking about him. No, you have to talk about him. Yeah, so he... I mean, I haven't dug too deep into it. I just tried to keep the research light, but... It sounds like he... Oh, so the game was announced in 2007 and it came out in 2012. So it was a long development time. I think he had a lot of back and forth on Twitter. And the one thing that stood out to me, like the one remark, and it's even on like his Wikipedia page or Fez's Wikipedia page, is that he, he like in a tweet, like raging canceled the sequel. Yes, I, know. I was just looking this up beforehand. Yeah, so he says, Fez 2 is canceled. I am done. I take the money and run. This is as much as I can stomach. This isn't the result of any one thing, but the the end of a long, bloody campaign. You win. <laughs> so I don't know what that's about, but um, I'm okay with this not having a sequel, I think. Yeah, he also said something about um, anyone who kind of like talks about his game on YouTube or anything owes him money. <laughs> So there was a whole controversy on that. Yeah, I wonder well. if he'll hit us up for some money. Oh, no, I hope not. <laughs> I don't know that we need to talk about him a lot more than that. Other than, like, this is a game that is primarily by, like, not a huge team. A single person had a large influence on it, and I think that weighs into it quite a bit. So what's, what's your experience with the game? Have you played this before? Yes. So I originally found out about it because of maybe, uh, I wonder if you remember what that, remember I was telling you about the documentary I watched about indie games, the indie, mm. like the indie industry. I think it's just called like the indie game or something. It's on Netflix now. It's, it's been a long time since I've seen it, but yeah, Phil yeah. Fish is real in that. And um, I saw it on that and I was really attracted to kind of like the nostalgia and the look of the game and the fact that it's kind of an old school platformer that has sort of this, like, it takes this platformer and kind of brings it into the future. Um, so I was waiting and waiting for it to come out and then I forgot about it and saw it had already come out. <laughs> and then finally got to play through it. Um, and I really loved the game Monument Valley. Have you played that before? No, this is a mobile game, right? Yep, Monument Valley is a mobile game. I played that on my iPad which is awesome, highly recommend it. Um, but I'm really in love with the idea of like perspective rotation, which does the same thing, and optical illusions. So I played that one first, and then played Fez after. So that was kind of an interesting dynamic to okay. play. I'll, I'll be interested to, to hear the comparisons as we go here, because I haven't yeah. played that one, but it, it looks gorgeous. It's beautiful. That was probably my favorite part about it, but yeah. It certainly doesn't hurt when there's a great artistic style. And this, I mean, this game has a pretty cool artistic style. Like, I like the retro aspect of it, and I like the mm -hmm. perspective rotation. Um, yeah. And maybe that's a good segue into kind of the gameplay mechanics, because that is its, its kind of number one most, like, prominent and major gameplay 
dynamic is mm -hmm. there's a 3D world, but it's presented in 2D, and you can rotate it. Yep. The first time I played this, uh, that seemed so cool to me. I was loving that at first. What did you think about that and its execution here? Yeah, I think actually overall that was my favorite part. It was just the idea that you can use optical illusions and perspective to solve puzzles. That's kind of like a whole new concept to me, um, especially with it being sort of this 8-bit style. Um, that's kind of where it goes back to the idea of sort of bringing that style into the future, which I think is really cool. I thought it was good. I don't know. I'm wondering if you had the same thing, but I had a really hard time with the, the jumping mechanics. Um, like, I just felt like he always fell really short whenever I was trying to jump just, like, relatively normal distances. Did you have that problem, too? Uh, I mean, sort of. I guess my, my main takeaway is just that the platforming doesn't feel real tight and well executed like you might be used to with a platformer that's like a big budget platformer. Even, yeah. you know, nostalgic 8-bit ones. Like, it doesn't feel as good to move around as a Mario game, you know, like Mario 3 or something or, you yeah. know, another NES game that's also a platformer. Like, it just doesn't necessarily feel as tight. And for me, one thing is like sort of the speed and pacing of it, right? Like, he kind mm -hmm. of floats, and it just doesn't feel, like, satisfying the way he moves around to me. Yeah, I can see that. A little, Some of it was sort of janky. Um, I don't know if that's, like, the correct word to use, but that's kind of how it felt, sort of a little bit jarring sometimes. Um, and that, that was sort of the hardest part. I'm even thinking about, like, even moving on the vines. You know how you can crawl up those vines? I felt like it was sort of like glitchy maybe um, unless I was just doing it wrong. I'm not sure. It wasn't enough for me to be like, Oh, this is horrible, but it was enough to be frustrating at points, especially when I was getting into like trying to get one of like the more advanced anti-cubes, stuff like that. I would get kind of upset if I couldn't just get through that simple part of a vine or something, you know? Yeah. So this is actually my second playthrough of the game. And uh, the first time my playthrough got halted, because of a section that I was stuck on and it was just a pure platforming thing. It wasn't like a challenging puzzle or anything. And I think I probably tried it five or six times across two nights. And then it's like, mm -hmm. it wasn't like I'm done with this game, but it turned out to sort of be like, well, I don't really want to deal with that right now. I know. And then you let it go for like a month. And then now you're done because you're not going to pick up a game that you haven't touched in a month, probably. Mm -hmm. Or it's very, very hard to do that. Um, so that is kind of what happened to me the first time is that the platforming is really what kind of sank it for me on my second time. Like I just, the platforming is okay. And I, I, I actually opened that file, uh, and played through that section and I didn't find it really as hard. I think it took me like three tries and I was done with it in like under 10 mm. minutes or something. And I was like, I don't understand why I was so stuck here, but I know yeah, that's where I was stuck. So I don't know. It, the, what do you think it was that second time around for you? Was it just because you like took a break and then you come back to it with fresh mind kind of a thing? Maybe, or I guess it, I played it longer and more the first time. So mm -hmm. you would think that I would be better at the game and the platforming and the execution of it then. But I don't know. It just, it worked better for me. The section that I'm talking about for people to play the game is one where there's like rising lava. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So uh, 
I always normally try to finish the games for the podcast. This one I did not. I sort of finished it, so I played it a bunch, and then I picked up the old playthrough and finished that. And I think between them, I pretty close to played through it all the way. I've definitely beat the game in the, like, you got 32 cubes kind of way. But this is one that I was, like, ready to drop, which is usually I can try and power through for the podcast. But this one was not sitting well with me. Um, But there's sort of another, a couple more major gameplay mechanics. So you're this character, uh, Gomez, and he gets this Fez hat for some reason. I, I believe, I think the, the getting that Fez hat is what gave him the power, right? It does give him that power to rotate the world. Yeah. And then at some point, there's like a massive golden block that splits off. And as it turns out, it splits into 32 cubes, 32 anti-cubes. And some of those cubes are also like mini shards that you have to pick up just little little pieces of. So that's where the platforming comes in is mostly with the regular cubes and the little shards. Like a lot of those are gotten just through exploration and platforming. And then there's the anti-cubes, which they're just like the gold cubes, but they're blue, but they are primarily found through more complex puzzles. Yep. Do you have a favorite complex puzzle? Ah. <sighs> I know, there's a lot of them. So, <laughs> there are a lot of them, and I, I definitely don't remember all of them, but I think the major thing is, like, it feels good to solve them. Like, it can feel really satisfying. Um, most of them, a good number of them, are based on, like, exploring to a point where you're able to decipher a language. So, the other, like, the other thing that I would, in my mind, think of as, like, the second major mechanic is decoding languages. So... There is a language for numbers. There is a language for button presses. There is a language for letters, the alphabet. There, There's just a lot. And there's other kind of, I think, within screens, even different kind of like mini languages. And it's, you know, which of these can you figure out and decipher? And then once you do some of it, you know, like the solutions are there. Like one that's pretty memorable to me is there's a bell and like, on all four sides of the bell, there's a number in the code. And if you can solve it, all you have to do, it's really simple. Once you figure it out, is you just ring the bell that number of times on each side oh, of yeah. the bell. I remember that one now. So, like, I remember that being really satisfying. But deciphering these languages is pretty tough. The alphabet one, there's a screen where there's a fox jumping over a dog. And if you're familiar with the phrase, the quick brown fox jumps over the lazy dog. Uh, which has every letter of the alphabet in it, you realize that this is kind of like a Rosetta Stone and you can sort of somehow like change that into the alphabet. Yeah. But for me, the thing about these codes is figuring it out is not the end of it. And it's to me the most bothersome with the alphabet itself because you still have to take the time and decode everything. Yes. (sighs) Did Did you do that? Did you do it on your own or did you look it up? I think I ended up having to look it up. I looked it up, man. I couldn't do it. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I, maybe I could have if I invested enough time in it, but I was like, oh, man, I just want to get through it. Yeah, um, that's how I feel, too. But I think a better solution, like, I like how Final Fantasy X handles this in that you get these, like, 
al like there's this albed language and as you get these like like every letter has like some item that you pick up that translates just that letter oh that's cool and so but but once you've translated it it's automatically translated and so even okay. once you've only figured out a few letters like they're in different colors when you see the like subtitles on the screen and people are still talking in one language or the other but once you get to a point where you've deciphered most of them you can just read it you don't have to like individually decode everything and like sit down and that's that's where i sort of lost patience it's like okay well i know the code so am i going to sit here and like th this thing is you know 30 40 characters am i going to individually decode all of these with these symbols that look pretty similar or like maybe i can just like look up online what this code is for like what does yeah. this room say I remember even seeing forums that were like, take a picture of the code and then rotate it hor or vertically. I was like, I don't, I don't know if I want to do all that. <laughs> of the languages that are there, is there one that was your favorite or you thought was done kind of most elegantly? Because I think I have one that I think is executed a bit better. I don't know if I have have one i would be curious to know what yours are though i had i wasn't i didn't delve too deep into the language part i kind of when i got to those parts I, in all honesty i kind of just looked it up and then was able to move forward so i'd be if, it, if you spent more time on it i'd be curious what what yours would be um i think for the numbers originally like i did end up looking it up but like I kind of didn't spoil the whole thing and got clues because I remember spending some time trying to solve the numbers one. And so the alphabet's annoying to me because once you figure it out, it's all there. Like, and it's pretty obvious. It's like, you know it or you don't. It's like a switch that you flip. Yeah. But so the numbers are presented like on the walls of this, the different walls of this room and they have equations and other things where you kind of know some of what's going on you kind of have to use math to like figure out like oh this is this and this is this and how does this equal this the numbers one is tricky because some numbers have multiple ways to express them like i think especially once you get to higher numbers like six seven like there's a couple ways to write it and that can be confusing and like you just might not figure that out maybe right so that part is pretty frustrating but it's doable right like it's doable at least yeah yeah, and one of my problems with this game is that it's not all doable. Right. Um, there, in kind of researching this, there are pe there is like one puzzle called the Black Monolith that literally people on a forum like teamed up and brute forced their way to solve it. That's great. And like, I think that is like a sign that this is made primarily by a single person. Uh -huh. I would love, I really want to know, maybe there's already videos out there about this, but I would love to know, like, Phil Fish's commentary on some of those forums. Is this, like, what he wanted, or did he think of it all by himself? I, I just, it. some of it's so intricate, I just have no idea how he did it, you know? Yeah. Some of the intricacy is really appealing. Like, I remember the first time playing through this game and in a general sense just being enamored of the idea that oh like there's all these languages and you have to decipher them like that sounds really cool on paper and like yeah. when you solve some of these puzzles and you realize like this is how the world connects as you observe it that's actually like pretty cool yeah that is really cool 
Um, and I mean, if if it wasn't a game, like just kind of like as a work of art, like I think there's some really good stuff going on in this game. Yeah, especially the music. If we can talk about the music. I thought the music was awesome. I don't know about you, but that's one of my favorite parts about games. I'm really attracted to everything uh, that game company makes, like Journey and Flowers and Abzu. Um, I don't. Did you play? You played through Journey, right? I did not. No, I've heard oh, good you things. You should do it. You got to do it. I should yeah, do it. Yeah, the the music is a huge draw for me, and so that was a big that was a big win for this game for me personally. Like I have the soundtrack. Uh, like you can get the soundtrack. Um, in its totality on YouTube. I did. I mean, to. it's it's we'll also fits with the ambiance too. Like I I um, liked it, and this, this just the sound design in general. Like, like I like the sounds that the cubes make and the gates and the portals and stuff. Like mm-hmm. I just it it feels fitting. Like it that part all yeah. works really well to me. Yeah, I even liked some. There were some subtle details too um, that I really loved about. Um, I think it was in... Do you remember the, the series of puzzles that were in sort of the haunted... Uh, the different haunted buildings that you would go to? They had, like, it was always raining. Yeah. It was dark. Um, and then there were there were ledges that were invisible to get to different platforms. The only way the only way you could discover those is if the rain was hitting them. And it was really, really subtle. And I actually like, had to turn my lights on. I was like, I'm not sure if I'm actually seeing this right. Um, and I had to turn up the brightness of my TV. <laughs> um... But I thought that was really clever. That was a, a cool, interesting puzzle. Like, again, that was solvable, right? It took me a little bit, but it was still really cool. Yeah, I think that section is really successful. And, like, I yeah. think that section also has, like, the owl puzzle, which is in my second mm-hmm. playthrough, one of the first anti-cubes I got. And that's yeah. a puzzle that's really doable. It's like, I love the owl puzzle. you see these statues, they have to face the same way, and you have to kind of play around till you get them to all face the same way. Yeah. Yeah, and again, it's one of those ones that you... I didn't have to look up a forum for that one, and that was really satisfying in the sense. I was like, yes, I figured it out, you know? <laughs> Are there other sections, like just kind of, I guess, biomes or whatever you call them that you really liked or didn't like? Uh, I mean, I really like the kind of rainy, shadowy one as well. Yeah, I was going to say that one was my favorite, and also um, the world where it was all... or the level that it was all based on music. Um, it's really short, but it's neon colors and all you get is a flashlight um, lighting of where you are and all your steps have to be made with the beat of the music. Oh, that's um, very cool. Yeah, that was that was my favorite. I don't, I don't know if I got to that section. You might, yeah, you might not have. Um, There's a lot in this game because yeah. you only have to get half of the available cubes to beat it, essentially. Yes. And some and stuff is really hidden. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of interesting because the game doesn't really like tell you where to go or what to do, so you kind of have free range to just do whatever you want, um, which is which is hard for me in games because, um, like with uh, Breath of the Wild, I was telling you I spent like sixteen hours just riding horses or something. Um, but that's so fine. Like, like that works fun. there, yeah. and it's not the open worldness or the like deciding where to go that is such a stretch here. Like, so there is a map. And it does, it's more like a, like a node system of like yes. this room's connected to this room. It's a good and way it, to explain it. It indicates to you whether you finish the room, essentially. Like it's outlined in gold if you found everything. And then it kind of can give you hints about like, there's a door that's locked here still, or there's this that's still here. Um, and I, I really like that system. 
but what I don't like is navigating. Like, there are some warp... There's two types of warp things. There's, like, a gate and then, like, a smaller thing. And yes. I didn't really understand how they connected to each other, so that... I'm so glad you brought this up, because that was my question for you, is if you figured out navigating, because I did not. <laughs> I think I looked it up, and even then I was like, eh, that's silly. I think it's, like, the smaller ones connect to the next biggest one or something. I'm not something... 100% sure, but it just... Oh, I don't know. It was frustrating, and it just seems like... If I've discovered a room, what if I could just warp there? Like, because yeah. retraversing stuff is annoying and also trying to figure out what's connected to what. So, yep. aesthetically, there is one navigation thing that it does that's really cool, which is if you're facing a certain way and by a door, you can kind of see in the background what's there generally. So, you can have an idea of where you might be going. Mm -hmm. And I really like that. that. Cool. That's really yep. awesome. Yep. That's a really cool feature. I like that a lot. I ended up like, I, I like the idea that. That when if you do die, like I spent a lot of time just like trying to jump to things and falling to my death <laughs> until I like figured out the perfect like, jump height. Yeah. Um, but but even then, it would bring me right back to my spawn point, which was good. You know, I was like, okay, great, I don't have to do this all from the start again. Um, so yeah. that was good. But I think that the navigating aspect part of it that you were that we're talking about um, didn't really make up for that. Like I still felt like that was just just as hard that I was too frustrated. And I would just like, I was like, okay, I'm just going to end this early tonight and play tomorrow kind of a thing, you know? I think that's a big reason why I kind of stopped probably both times is it's like, oh, okay, here's, yeah. here's somewhere that I haven't, like, I'm stuck in this room. That's fine. I can come back to it. But this room, this room, I'm not stuck. Oh, but how the hell do I get there? Like, okay, I need to go just because of the way the grid is or the nodes, yep. which is like, they just are sort of floating in a space. You don't get a sense of like, oh, I need to go to the lower door in this, like facing this way, which I, I don't know how you do it any better when it's 3D. Like, it, I, I, I don't, don't know that there's a better solution. Yeah. To me, the better solution is just like, if I've been there, or even if it's just like you've completed every puzzle in the room, let me warp to it. Let me have a little bit more of a fast travel because something you yeah. have some of these rooms take a while to platform and it's like going back and forth is actually kind of annoying it's like i solved this puzzle i or this like platforming challenge you know i don't want to redo it maybe some of it like if i'm in a room that sells a secret i get that right but yeah i just yeah it was frustrating to do that and and mostly like just tiring like i don't want to redo this therefore yeah. i'm done yeah exactly like, I'm going to go to sleep now <laughs> or just not another play. game yeah. or just not play. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> I think in terms of like the biomes and stuff, another thing, it kind of is in the same vein as the navigation is there are like areas like the lava area and the like, yeah, you know, the rainy, the rainy shadowier area. And there's the, all these like kind of green cast rooms, but a lot of the game, especially connected to the major hubs looks kind of samey. It's like this daylight, you know, vines on stuff like, and it's hard to differentiate. And I think they could yes. have done more with that. And that might've made it easier to like understand how stuff fits together. Yeah. Like if you had, let's say there was like a frosty frozen winter biome, right? And like, let's say the mm -hmm. door in the other section has snow over it. That's a great way to indicate how things are connected for me, but that's not really there. Yeah, it's kind of like this is this is the winter world. This is the desert world. Or it is it, I think it wouldn't have been as bad if the navigation navigation system was easier. But because that was lacking, I was like, where am I? How do I get back? Yeah. And there was a lot of waterfalls. So I was like, is this the same waterfall I was at before? Is this the one I want to be at? I don't know. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Of of the biomes, I had some problems with the green one. And it wasn't like, oh, this is so challenging. It's just like kind of the same thing that you had with the rain. It's like I had a really hard time just seeing what I needed to see. Yes, I had the same problem. Um, for sure. And some of the mechanics of... I'm trying to think of what that was specifically. This is just reminding me of something. Oh, um, this is this may have come easy to you too, but it was the... Um, like the two handlebars that you would get on like maybe a tree or something and you could like rotate it. That took me a long time to figure out. I didn't realize that that's what I could do or how to do it. I see. Um, I don't remember because this was a second playthrough. So I sort of remembered that. Right. Yes. Yeah, so you had already known. I don't remember it being like hugely frustrating, but I think it's very possible that I did not figure it out for a bit. But that's this whole game. It's like kind of figuring yeah. out stuff with no guidance, which... Sometimes that's fun. Like, it is sort of the polar opposite of, like, a lot of modern games being overly handholdy or just kind of, like, too explicitly tutorially instead mm-hmm. of using design to teach you. But there's not a lot of, like, design to teach you stuff here. Right. There's not. Yeah. For some of those mechanics, it would have been nice to have just, like, oh, like one prompt, just, like, one initial one, like, oh, you can rotate this. Or um, even though, but... It, but I don't know. That might have ruined the convention a little bit because it is a game that just allows you to do whatever at whatever point you want. So that's hard for me to decide whether or not they should have allowed that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. I do love... Do you remember the Neon World that was sort of... Um, um, it was raining and there was like an owl neon. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, wait, wait. Like the sky's pink? That area? Yeah. Oh. That, that area was awesome. I guess maybe there is a little bit more variety than I give credit to. But not a ton, though. Like, it was just a couple different rooms that you were, if you were lucky to find them, you'd yeah. get to it. You know? Like, it, it was still really difficult. Like, you, you definitely had to spend a lot of time searching for that. Like, it, that world was a little bit more like Blade Runner for me. <laughs> I was like, this is awesome. Can we have more of this? And I didn't get enough, again, to kind of want to keep exploring some of those areas. But that one was really cool. Yeah, there are some cool areas. I mean, the first time yeah. I played through this, it was like, you know, you're given this playground and it's just really fun to go explore it. Oh, also speaking of world-like connections, there's these little, like, two-cube doors that, like, are these warp points, but they don't warp you, like, it's not like a pair, like, you go back and forth between these two rooms. Or, it just, it made no sense to me as well. There's just a lot of navigation stuff in this that, like, really brings it down for me. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think I remember that one. Um, I did love, there was a puzzle where it was, well, a lot of this is based off of, like, Tetris-looking blocks, but you had to match sort of, like, the left trigger-looking one matched to the T. Mm-hmm. And there was sort of a lot of cool um, optical illusions you had to do to make that one work. That one took me, like, maybe a half hour, but that was another one where I didn't have to look it up. And I was like, this is so satisfying. I finished it. Yeah. And then that was one of those nights where I kept playing. I was like, okay, I can do this. That is, I mean, when the game does that, it's great. When you, when the puzzle is like solvable, but you have to think about it, right? Yes. If the puzzle's too easy, it's not satisfying. Right. And even within puzzles, there's some types where it's just like, if it's just trial and error to figure it out, that's also kind of boring. Mm -hmm. But like, you do have to kind of like think about it and learn something in a lot of cases. And that part's pretty cool. Yeah, that is cool. What did you think about the QR codes? Did you solve any of those? Oh God, that's just something that makes this game feel so dated. Like I feel like in 2012 or even during the development in 2007, that was like a great thing, but 
Right. Literally, what they do is like the one that I actually did. Like, I tried one, just like, where does this go? First, I had to download a QR <laughs> code reader because <laughs> I was just going to ask if you did that. I never did it. And I was like, I'm not going to do this right now. <laughs> <laughs> and the like, the solution was like, it just gave you the like trigger set that's actually mm-hmm. the codes to the buttons. It's like, well, that's okay. What? Like, that was a waste of my time. Uh, sort yeah. of. I know, and to have to like take a picture of the screen and then figure out what it means, I don't know. It was a little too much for me. It was a little bit too much for me too, but I, I'll give it a little bit benefit of the doubt because that probably seems like a better idea for the era that it came out in, which is now True. five, it came out five years ago and it was in development longer than that, so. Yeah, that's a really good point, actually. I didn't even think about that. Like, ta- I think I was talking to you about Tales Principles, which is another great puzzle solver. And that one's the one where I think I only had to look up things twice throughout that entire game. Um, so everything's really solvable. But it did have two QR codes, but they were optional. It wasn't part of the story. Nice. Like, you didn't have to solve them if you didn't want to. Because um, it came out around the same time. Yeah. But, yeah. It, it does make it feel dated. Like, it doesn't feel good in 2017. But, I, like, I'm willing to kind of forgive that. Yeah. Yeah, now that you said it, yeah. I agree. Something that I'm not so forgiving on, and this is like a really minor point, but like I hate it when games do this, which is there's a it gives you a completion percent, but it is essentially meaningless because it does not add up to 100%. Yes, thank you. The max number is 209.4%. Oh my god. Which that means it's it's really so meaningless. Yeah. Like at least <laughs> at least games like Donkey Kong Country and Donkey Kong sixty four, which is the <laughs> other one that I think of as famously doing this, like their final percentages are like one oh two, one oh three. So it's like, okay, like you pretty much got everything, but maybe we hit a little extra, you know? Right, this is like right. this number gives me n- no feedback. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Um I actually didn't get ga- I didn't gauge too much on completion for this. Like I didn't get all of the cubes. Um my goal is to do me that neither. eventually. Like yeah. <laughs> all of the cubes and anti cubes and the like heart oh, cubes. Oh yeah. No, oh, wow. and I think what in total is sixty four, right? Yeah, there's a couple. There's I think three heart shaped cubes or something. Oh, I didn't know that. That's kind of cool. The black monolith is one of those, and there's two other crazy puzzles that are also those. One of them, which I think is the blinking red light, which this is another one that I read about, and it just seems absurd. This is probably the most absurd solvable one or whatever. There's a blinking red light, and essentially it's blinking rate or something gives you binary and then you have to write down the binary and like convert it to hex and then convert that into ascii to get a code (sighs) to solve something and that's just too much for me and i think i just played through thimbleweed park and i think there was a reference to that like i mean obviously these things can be converted anyway but like the character in it, it has to solve a very similar puzzle but the character does it you have to go and make sure she, like, remembers the ASCII tables, and you have to take it to her computer to convert it, but you don't have to actually physically do it or understand how these things work. I don't... I have to, like, look up binary and then, like, get tables to do... And that doesn't sound fun to me. No. It, de- it definitely takes you out of kind of the whole experience just in general, which maybe some people enjoy that, but I don't know. It doesn't work for me. What do you think? This is maybe this is a loaded question, but what do you? Th- I mean, there's a lot of things probably um, that Phil Fish was inspired by, but 
what do you think were some of his biggest inspirations for Fizz? Oh, that would be interesting to know the true answer. Um, I know. I don't know. Um, I mean, obviously, just like kind of an 8-bit era, but I can't think of any like puzzle games that are really like this that are that old. You know, like because puzzle games of of sort of that vintage are like mist, mm-hmm. like stuff like that. I just don't. I can't think of a game that's like this. Yeah, me either. Um, I mean, Braid a little bit, but they were kind of developed concurrently. I think Braid yeah, probably true. came out earlier. Yeah. I think of this as sort of one of the like Renaissance era of indie games. Like there was a time, and I mean, I've talked about it on this podcast before, like. There's sort of an era where indie games blew up, and it it has a little bit to do with like the Xbox Live marketplace and like just what consoles were doing and, and accepting these games and Steam. And so this is just sort of like to me, this is one of like the big early indie games, even though it's not that early. Right. Yeah. It was still yeah, and it was definitely kind of um I'm not sure what the right word is for this, but I'm probably inspiring to other indie gamers at least. Um, yeah. In the way that he went about creating this, and especially as an indie, um, an indie developer, you know. Um, but I'd, I'd like to know how much. I mean, it obviously, it took forever to release, right? Like, I feel like I was hearing about it forever, and then I forgot because it took so long to come out. And there was probably a lot more logistics set that I didn't even know about. But well, especially with a small team, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's true. I mean, you can do, you know, 8-bit games that are not like 3D, AAA, kind of like that kind of graphical intensity. You can make those games with smaller teams now, but... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, at that point, even five years ago, I mean, the stacks have changed so much just in that yeah. amount of time, you know? There's like... Yeah, I don't know. There's so many um, frameworks and stuff you can use now that weren't available or at least... Um, fully developed at the time that this was made. Yeah. Do we talk about black holes yet? Oh, like the glitching, like, that suck you in. Yeah, I thought those were kind of cool. I mean, I know they were kind of like a, kind of a subtle thing. They didn't do too much to you, but I thought they were kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, I did too, and in some places it makes the platforming more challenging, which is nice. Yeah. Um, and I also feel like it's sort of, maybe not totally directly, but it sort of relates to, like, the fourth wall breaking elements of this game. So one of the things the game does is there's a section early on where, like, it looks like that your computer reboots. Like, it's, like, rebooting in, like, DOS or whatever. Yeah. Uh, or just, like, the boot screen. It's, like, acting like it's loading the BIOS and stuff. And, like, that uh-huh. kind of stuff is pretty cool. And, like, you can see, like, the influence of something like that on something like Undertale, which is, like, an extremely popular game that just came out last year or something. Nice. I haven't played that. I did check it out. It's pretty cool. Did you play through it? Yeah, so that game has a lot going on in the, in a similar way to this game. Like, you can beat it, but then there's a ton of extra stuff to do. But that stuff is actually accompanied by story. So that game has like the the ending, the neutral ending, the pacifist ending, the genocide ending, and it just depends on like. So it's an RPG that looks a little bit like Earthbound, like graphically and stuff, and in the way the battles okay. are. But if you kill something but not everything you get the neutral generic ending that people get but then if you don't kill anything you get like a pacifist ending and then if you kill everything no matter what you get the genocide ending yeah 
I didn't do those other ones, but like there was some degree of appeal to that. Yeah, that um, is interesting. It is pretty cool, but but they the reward was more story too, which was nice, and it was actually like pretty interesting story, which I don't know. Like that that hook isn't there. Like this game is a game like purely for solving puzzles, and like that's okay. Yeah. I love that a lot of times, and I I really did right. like this the first time up until the point where I just kind of petered out on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because in the beginning you kind of get, I mean, you meet his family, right? So there's kind of, I mean, you get, I think you meet his, his grandfather and his sister. You don't, they don't really say much to you other than like, this is my house or, yeah, you know. There's not a um, lot of like investment in the world. Right. Yeah. But, but, but like you're saying, I guess there's a place for that and a place for a story, but, but it yeah. would have been kind of. Kind of I mean, it, it doesn't have to be a knock on it either, right? Like, The right. Witness no. is a really good puzzle game that doesn't yes. really have a heavy story. Yeah, there's really not, but it's so cool. <laughs> it is cool. To me, that was, like, more successful, even though the puzzles were not as intense as this in some ways. Mm-hmm. But in yeah. some ways, they are. There's just a lot of puzzles in this one that feel cheap. There's one uh, room with a clock... And the puzzle is basically solved by you being there at the right time according to your computer or PlayStation or whatever. So uh, if you're actually trying to beat it fast or even once you figure it out, like, it's a pretty wide time range. Like, I think one of them depends on the day of the month that you play and, like, one of them... De- yeah, so it's like you, you just want to change the clock of your computer to do it. That's the simplest way to do it. Ah, I know exactly what you're talking about. And now I'm pissed because I remember being in that place with this clock and I was like, what the fuck am I supposed to do right now? And that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like because the clock moves and I think it has to do with where like it's minute hand is it's second hand yeah. it's hour hand but like those <gasps> mo- one of those moves now. at the rate of days like it's basically yeah. like you have to be at this clock at like the 23rd of the month or whatever in your, your real <laughs> time and like some of them if you look it up I think they're at like you have to be there at five in the morning it's like not times you'd play the game so that's crazy oh man I had no idea it does necessitate that you figure it out or you'll never just like you wouldn't want someone to play and accidentally find the cube. That's boring. Right. If you found one of the four of them, that might be helpful, like in terms of deciphering it. Yeah, at least. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing with this game, too. Like, um, so it's beautiful and the music's great. Some of the puzzles are fantastic, but then it's it's less satisfying. I mean, I don't as I know there's a lot that like you, you could go through this game. If you can't figure out the puzzles, you look them up online. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's. I still feel like if I was to do that and beat the game, I think I would still feel like a failure. Like, not as satisfied overall. Uh, Like, in my gut with the game, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, So, I mean, the thing about this is, once you know the solution, you kind of know the solution. Yeah. Whereas something like The Witness, you can... Mm -hmm. um, Like, some of the languages can be hard to decipher, or, like, the section of the puzzles... But just yeah. because you know the language doesn't mean you've solved the puzzle yet. You still actually have to think about all the puzzles after the first one. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I don't know. I would like to play through it again a second time like you did just to kind of just to see what else I notice or if some of the things are easier for me to do. Um, I did like, um, I don't know if you remember the Infinity Waterfall. Do you remember that where it goes up and down and you could just keep doing that forever? No. Unless, um, that was pretty cool. It was kind of early on. Well, I guess early on is Relative. depends on how you, yeah, depends on how you played the game. It was early on for me, but um, that's where like the waterfall goes up and down. 
um, and there's two cubes, one at the top and one at the bottom, but then it still looks like it continues. And then you just get like stuck in this loop and you can't think too hard about it. Otherwise you're just going to be stuck there. So it's like, you get those two cubes and you move on, but it's meant to trick you obviously. Right. Um, uh, which it did cool. for me for a really long time. <laughs> there is a lot of cool stuff and the game is pretty large. Yeah. Yeah. Especially knowing that there's 64 cubes overall, like, holy crap, that's a lot of stuff you can do. Um, it is. And some yeah. of those are like shards. Mm -hmm. Like even a speed run, like, I'm I'm watching the like world record in the background here, and it's like it's hey, still, it still takes like an hour and twenty minutes. Yep, I'm at I'm at an hour and two minutes right now. <laughs> but so um, it takes a while. Yeah, I did get a little feeling of um, I I did like like for a while I just kind of stopped doing puzzles and was just looking for treasure in different worlds that I'd already been through. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna try to get this treasure now. Yeah. Um, I ended up like doing that sometimes more often or just looking for random keys that maybe I could open up random doors. I got a lot of like satisfaction out of that part, I guess. There's also, okay, so in like, I guess your pause menu where you can like see how many cubes you have and stuff. If you rotate yeah. that cube around, there's also like a set of like nine maps. Or you can find these little maps that hmm. they resemble, you know, the shapes of like kind of these like floating island things or whatever you're finding. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And so those correspond to puzzles and there's one where it's like it basically reveals a secret platform to get to a treasure chest. But even when I knew where it was, the platform was like really challenging to do. Even when yeah. I watched a video of someone do it, try to do the same thing and it still <laughs> took me several tries and it's like it's just frustrating because it's one of those things where it's like I don't know what I'm doing wrong. Mm -hmm. Like good platforming should be okay, I, I jumped too early. I need to jump later next time I try this. Or some kind of feedback so that you understand what you did wrong, right? Yeah. And that right. just it's just like you're aimlessly dabbling until it works. And that's not fun as opposed to, like you know, just, just having right. that feedback and changing course. Yeah, I mean, and that's also sort of like a core principle of like good user experience too, you know, just like in web applications or in websites. I think that definitely applies to gaming as well. You kind of have to give the user like a little bit to to want to kind of be hungry for more of it. Yeah. Um, but I did like, I, how many anti-cubes did you get? Do you remember? I probably got like seven anti-cubes max. Uh, and did you get the good ending or the bad ending? Uh, actually, at the time that I got enough cubes that you can just go to the final room, which is essentially what it is, and there's like one platforming section. At that point, I didn't even want to go back to it. I oh, had no. already I had already watched the endings, both of them, and I knew what happened. Okay. So I was like, Yeah, I'm not gonna just go play this to play it. Like I know, right. I know. What You're happened. like, I got this, right? That makes sense. I watched the endings online too, so. It just didn't feel like the the good ending like gave you that much more. It's no. another thing where the incentive didn't feel like it was really there to. Yeah, for how hard it was. Yeah. But I I mean I guess what do you do like? Mm -hmm. What is the ending mm -hmm. supposed to be like? Here's the meaning of life. Uh, have I know. Day, you know. Yeah, like I don't. I, yeah, I, I can't even think of like what that would be for me to be pumped about. You know, or to think that that was right. <laughs> I don't know what you would possibly do. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I'll probably I'll probably play it again. I'll probably try it again. Um, I feel like I need to give it a little bit of time. 
Um, I would definitely, like, if you liked like, the certain aspects of this game that were great, for me is what Monument Valley is. So it kind of had everything was- I'm have to try that. Yeah, check it out. And they, it looks, sounds like they're coming out with a two or maybe it's already released. Um, yeah, Fez that's two. a good one. Fez 2 is not getting released, just so you know. It's, it's not happening. <laughs> it's not happening. I don't even know what he's doing now, what um, Phil Fish is doing. Well, I did Google it. I Googled him just to see if he had released other games. A game came out in 2016, and apparently it was in development in 2008, and it's called like Hypercube World or something. Okay. I already, I already forgot. It looks much different than this. Uh, just yeah. at a glance. I, I very briefly looked into it. I was not familiar with it. Yeah. Yeah. And this is sort of, I mean, maybe you know more about the history to Phil Fish than I do, but like, I don't know how much experience he has with game development before this. And I know a lot of the controversy is somewhat what gave him or this game some press, which is either bad or good, depending on how you look at it. Um, but uh, it's got to be hard. Like, part of me feels for him because you can tell, I mean, this game is really intricate. And like you can tell he put his heart into it. Yeah. Probably means a lot to him. Um, which in that regard is really cool that he was able to create something that kind of reflects all the things that he enjoys. Yeah. It's just one of those tricky things about creative work in that I know. Sometimes you need an editor and yeah. sometimes people actually do make your material worse by like giving in to like the mainstream popular ideas or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. It's like we know everyone's going to like a sequel to this movie that we did or a reboot to this movie that everyone liked, but that's not that actually creative. So mm -hmm. sometimes you do have to like push up against to do something genuinely creative. And it's cool that this did that. And I felt like, yeah, you know, without naming everything and thinking about it too deeply, like it, it influenced stuff in a meaningful way, I think. Yeah, I think so too. Um, I'm, I'm glad that it came out. One of the criteria that we sometimes talk about on this podcast is what would you pay for the game today knowing that you've played through it like would you buy it but like how much would you pay for it because a lot of the games like eh, it's worth you know it might be worth picking it up or if it's in a humble bundle or whatever so what is your take on fez like what is it worth oh man that's such a good question it's so hard i think Ooh, i think i don't know like if i saw it on you know how um like a PS4 will sometimes have the indie game arcade sale or something and it will be like five bucks. Yeah. You know? I'm like, yeah, I'll do it. Or they might have like a month of this game just for free. Like, I think I would pay like up to 15 bucks for it, but that makes me feel so bad because if, if like Phil Fish or one of the developers was, was to come up and ask me that, you know, I think there's like also this human behind it that, that I really want to support and give more money to so I think it depends on who approached me about <laughs> what I would pay for it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, there's there's so many good games out there. And I mean, we've both I mentioned, know. it's like, yeah. I haven't even played Monument Valley or whatever, although I don't think that right. costs that much, but there's also time no. too. So it's just this time. balancing act of, you know, like your time versus like playing stuff that's fun. Um, it actually, it does cost 10 on Steam, so. Okay, yeah, That I mean, that makes sense. Like I... I would definitely pay that. What? I would too. I, I mean, even yeah. though we kind of like shit on the game a little bit for the last 50 minutes, <laughs> I do know. like, that's that's just what we do. And like, mm -hmm. I think it did something. It's almost like better as like an art 
a piece of art or something to like yeah. be admired and like looked at and like this is what it did than actually to play through as a game like at some point yeah. playing through it gets frustrating for essentially everybody because at some point there's a thing that no one has solved and yeah. for a lot of people that point where you drop off is probably a lot sooner and it, it's cool that there is this expansive world that if you're really into it you could drop 40 hours into or whatever like just oh, thinking yeah. about this and stuff but like easily Mm-hmm. I mean, I played it for like six or seven or eight hours the first time, and I put another like five or six into it this second time. So I, I mean, I played it for sixteen hours. That's you know. Yeah, I mean that's that's a lot. Yeah, I think for, it, 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 it wasn't yeah. that bad. I'm just you know we're we're looking for things to criticize about it. Right, right. It. I yeah. mean, I was like when I when I first played through this, like in the midst of the first playthrough, I was like. You have to play this, other people. Like I, I was know, very caught up too. in the world. It it does something that's unique and gives you like a feeling that's unique. And I think that's why I kind of carried, even though I didn't finish it, I kind of carried a positive feeling with it. But I also sort of knew when we decided to play this that my second playthrough, especially looking at it more critically, was not going to be as enjoyed. Yep, I completely agree. Um, that's an interesting point too because I think. Um, yeah, even with this game, I don't know, like, do you think, would, would you recommend it to other people? Maybe. Yeah, I know. I think, I, I think I, I think I would. I think, I think like the, the puzzles are a very, again, it's subjective. Like it depends on how you are relative, depends on how you, how you played it. But, um, it's just, the puzzles get gradually harder, but then there's a point where it's like, I don't know if I can do this. I'm going to look it up online right yeah yeah or i think i think my recommendation would depend on a few factors right like uh-huh. it's not like a blanket like yes or no i'd recommend it if i knew yeah. someone that was very into like puzzle games and hadn't played they were like i love the witness or i'm into mist something like that yeah i would probably be like you probably want to check out this game yeah and the other thing is the timing like right now in 2017 i'd be a lot less likely to recommend it but in 2013 yeah, I did recommend it to people, and like I, I feel that was a, a the right move at the time. Like, I, there's some degree of which this doesn't hold up as well, um, and it's not just QR codes. Right, right. It was an early indie game, and we've played several of these for this show, like those earlier indie games, kind of 2008 to 2012, and in general they don't hold up but a lot of them I loved at the time yep so there's that aspect to it too this was kind of like like the wild west of like I'm gonna make my own game now people just kickstart them you know yep exactly that's impressive in its own right that it wasn't like I don't think it was crowdfunded I don't think so it's kind of before that was popular and this is when people would like I quit my job and gave up my life savings and poured it into yeah. like being like staying in my house and coding this game all day. Like that's yep. probably what Phil Fish did. That's mm-hmm. impressive. Like he oh, did, yeah. he did pour it all into this game. It is really cool. I think it made a meaningful impact on on games. Like the influence is there. Yep. Yeah, I think even just like the energy he gave indie games is is important, just kind of in itself too, at the time. But I do kind of want to own a Fez hat now. <laughs> kind of want to get one. <laughs> Only if it's 8-bit, though. Only if it's 8-bit. It has to look 8-bit. Because <laughs> then they'll just think you're, you know, 
not yeah they, they won't people won't get the reference they'll think it's just like they won't know standard, like oh <laughs> yeah. actually gomez would be a pretty sweet halloween costume if he can make it work oh I mean, yeah although right? you probably people would probably think you're like the michelin man or like i know i just was thinking that too <laughs> why is the michelin man got that funny hat on why does he have a fuzz hat on does it make sense <laughs> yeah but it's cool it's cool it's especially fun to talk about. I actually really enjoy talking about this game. There's just a lot to dissect. I mean, I think there's so many parts to it that are fun to talk about and that are interesting. Um, for I mean, for a game that essentially is just mechanics and not really any story and not even that many biomes, you know, the way that I typically try to like organize these podcast conversations just didn't really work with this game. And that's fine. Like that doesn't, that is not a knock on it, but. Right. The fact that there was so much to talk about, I mean, there's a variety of puzzles. They're all, a lot of them are based on several different languages or things that you have to decode or understand. And those are all kind of individual in this world. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot there. There's a lot to unpack for something that is pretty simple. Like it is a game that is 8-bit. There is a mechanic in which you rotate the world and that leads to platforming. And there are also languages and other things to decode, which give you anti-cubes. Like you could sum it up like that, but it's so much more than that. I know it's a lot. Yeah. I don't have too many more things to say about this game. Do you? I don't know. I think, I think we got it. Yeah. I mean, I guess the, the final thought is that we would recommend it, but it might depend, right? Yeah, there would be a recommendation with a caveat, I think. (laughs) Yeah, you need to like this type of game, which for me, puzzle games in general are something that I wouldn't just blanketly recommend to people because I know that I like them more than other people. Exactly. Yeah, like if if you were, like any puzzle game you were to recommend me, like I would be like, yes, I will try it. That's just the kind of games that I like. I'm going to try all of them and check them out and read about them, you know? Yes, yes. Can I ask you one more question before we wrap it up? Yeah. Um, what, what, not to put you on the spot, but I'm going to do it. What puzzle games currently would you recommend right now, even if that's just one? The most recent one that I really liked was The Witness. I know, me too. <laughs> that, Good, it, I'm glad it, you said that. It had a very similar vibe to this game. Like, I had notebooks, I was drawing stuff out. Like, I still have pages of notes in one of my notebooks of, like, witness puzzles. And I did do notes and stuff for this game. So, like, in a way, I f- sort of felt the same about them. But yeah. and, and, and when that one, I think looking up hints didn't ruin it, which I liked, too. Because yes, if you get stuck, like, how long do you want to stay stuck? Like, I don't yeah. want to give up on the game. And at some point, like, the witness, I also grew tired of it, like, this game. So I got to a point where... It wasn't even that I was stuck necessarily. I just didn't, I was very close to the end and like I just had kind of like exhausted myself on the puzzles and I kind of like looked up some answers and hammered through to see the ending, like the last five puzzles or something. Yeah. Which yep. is kind of weak, but but well, that one had a sense, a, such a sense of discovery too because uh, the point at which you realize that the environment has the puzzles that are on the boards and you need to look for them is just a mind-blowing moment. Yeah. And when you look up in the sky and the light is all going towards that one point, it's so cool. Have you done um, the Portal 2 multiplayer campaign? Yes. And I'm going to do that for the Extra Life campaign too on November 4th. I'll okay. play through that for an hour and I think we might extend it to two to three hours. 
Uh, but yeah, that game was great. You played through that too, right? The co-op. Yes, yes. And yeah. one of my all-time like favorite puzzle-solving moments in games is there. The downside is probably that like only one person can solve it. Really, you yes, know what I mean? Like I you're know. playing multiplayer, and hopefully you right. have a good partner, and there's a back and forth, so it's not like this person yeah. just tells me what to do and we're doing. But the one yeah. where you have to collide midair. When I figured that out, like that just like yeah. was one of the best feelings. Oh man, it was so good. When it's like yeah, I oh, play it this Portal Two actually has a pretty robust like there's a lot of online like user made maps that you can play, and that hmm. is a pretty cool everything. There's, yeah, have you there's done some stuff of those? there. I've done several of them. I've probably nice. Peck and I, I have played them for several hours together some of them you know you can sort them by top rated which helps some of them are a little bit too much or just like not as fun but if you get a series and that creator of that series is good like yeah you could have cool. hours of extra portal fun and it's just the system is great yeah i don't even know are they supposed to make another one i don't know if valve's ever gonna make another game i know or half-life who knows we'll see what happens maybe if twitch uh Twitch is like trying to compete hard against Steam right now. And if if they succeed, I mean they're backed by Amazon or owned by Amazon now, but so if you have Amazon Prime and you have Twitch Prime, they occasionally offer like free games and loot. They now have a desktop what? client. They sell I'm games. My mind. They sell games through the desktop client. And if you're watching someone stream something, like let's say you're watching someone play Fez and you're like, "Oh hey, <laughs> there's a link below that's like buy the game through Twitch desktop and the streamer gets a portion of the money. And it's like, what? Like, they are That's gunning crazy. hard for Steam. And if they actually take over market share, I feel like Valve could be like, maybe we need to put out a game that's exclusive that we have to remind yeah. people that we're here. Seriously. That's nuts. I didn't uh, know that. I've got a Prime account, so that means I could do that too. Yeah, although huh. most of the loot that I've seen so far has not been good. I did get Day of the Tentacle remastered for free. So all you have I'm to do is... I'm going to get that. I can't even believe that you said that game. Like, I knew it sounded familiar when I looked it up. I was like, holy shit, I played this game when I was in high school or maybe middle school. I don't even know. It came out in, what, 93? So I would have been... I played it in elementary school for sure. Yeah, I was going to say, I probably was... I feel like we're the same age. I probably... Yeah, I would have been in, I would have been in elementary school. Um, but yeah, I think that actually wraps up our discussion on this game. Yeah. So, yeah. just uh, some housekeeping here. If you want to reach out to us, uh, at Recollection Pod on Twitter, no hyphen, and recollectionpodcast at gmail.com. You can reach out to us and tell us uh, what you think about Phil Fish and what a genius he is or whatever you may think, and uh, we'll read it. Until next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks.